Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I hope you guys are doing well. So good to see everybody. Come on in. Uh, let's get comfortable. Uh, we're going to get started uh, in one second here. Um, and uh, today I thought I'd pull out my my picture with Dr. Claude Anderson just because uh, I love the guy and I think he's amazing. And I talked to him uh, just yesterday or two days, the day before yesterday or yesterday or something like that. I can't. <laughs> the days get blurred together after a while. And um, he sends his regards and he wants you to know he's very proud of you, by the way, um, for uh, the fact that you are leading the charge on us educating our own people, which is something that we always could have done. And uh, and uh, he's he's uh, he's doing well. He's hanging in there. And uh, he just wanted me to tell you hello. And um, also, he uh, I think other messages he usually talks about black people and, and what we're going through and get ready for the future. He feels like there's going to be a civil war. He feels like uh, that we're not prepared for disasters. Like if there's a solar flare or if there was a war or if whatever basic services were cut off. So um, one of the things I've been doing is I've actually been doing a little bit of um, disaster prepping. Uh, and uh, I'm actually going to, uh, I'll share that journey with you and let you guys know what I'm doing. I'm, I got a list and I got a guy I'm working with on this and we're going to kind of try to get ready, you know, because uh, the world's kind of an unstable place. <laughs> Not to start your day off badly, but you know, it's, it's important to be honest. Um, all right. So, uh, so let me, um, let me, let me get us, get us set up here. I, uh, I I I was watching the Grammys last night. I watched the Grammys and Jay Z and and uh, I saw Jay Z and my, my friend uh, who's at he's, he's my buddy Killer Mike. He won uh, a lot of different awards. I think he won best rap album, best uh, rap performance, and also best uh, uh, rap song of the year, which I thought was really great. And uh, and and it's really cool because Killer Mike, you know, he's a guy that's like he's one of us in the sense that he actually uh, he spoke at our first all black national convention and uh, he did a great job. And um, and we've been friends, you know, ever since be really before then. And uh, he also understands the importance of black economics and black ownership, stuff like that. So even though I'm not a Grammy guy, I'm not a guy who cares a whole lot about what white people think about us. I, I think that it's kind of unfortunate that we feel that we need their validation in order for us to feel successful because i i don't see taylor swift looking for black validation i don't see taylor swift wondering if, you know thinking that the only way she will truly ever be successful is if black people give her some sort of a trophy um i i i'm not a fan of that but at the same time i'm happy for my friends when they when they do well and and um and uh, he's B one, and and we need more people like that succeeding. So so uh, so I don't I I I I'm hard on the rappers, but I I'm not hard on all of them. Another one um that I really uh admired that's a good friend of mine that that did a lot of great great stuff this year was a rapper named D one who everyone should look up, everyone should support him. Uh, there are other people in the music industry that we are close friends with that are doing well. Uh, Victory Boyd and their family, they're kind of like the new Jackson 5. They have a group called Infinity Song, and uh, they're so talented that uh, Jay-Z heard, heard them perform and signed the family on the spot. Uh, what's another one? Um, well, uh, there are some other people, but I don't want to go into all that. I don't want to talk about entertainment too much. Uh, the only extent to which I would talk about entertainment is D1, D D E E dash the number one. So look, look up D1. D1 is just, he's worth paying attention to. He's worth uh, giving support to, in my opinion. Uh, and he and I talk, we, we talk every week and we talk about economics. We talk about planning, strategy, influence, uh, how hip hop can be used to, uh, strengthen the black community as opposed to harm it. Uh, because I, I think that this is one of the things that 
you know, I, I probably sound to some of y'all probably sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I just think that there was an effort to derail hip hop and to make it into a weapon of mass destruction. Um, I really don't, I don't, I really just can't help but feel like they did something to hip hop to uh, poison it. They poisoned the water. They looked at the water you were drinking and they said, okay, let's put some poison in that water and nobody will be the wiser. No one will know what we did. And, um, but I know what they did. I, I believe that they, you know, it just, it, it just was too much of a coincidence. And, uh, and these are the things that we're fighting against, right? If you read my book, the 10 commandments of black economic power, you'll know that, um, in that book, I talk a lot about culture the, you know, it's good. The book confused, I think some people, because I wasn't just talking about the X's and O's of how to invest and in, in, in information on investing, Invested information is not hard to get, you know, like if you want to know how to manage your 401k or how to how to pick a, a diversified portfolio, that knowledge is always available. Uh, what you have to change is not so much access to the knowledge because it's accessible to everyone. What you have to change is the desire to acquire the knowledge. Uh, if you don't have a value system that values the knowledge, if you don't have a value system that sees things like uh, economic intelligence as being important assets in your life, then it doesn't matter. Someone can literally lay out the secrets to the universe right in front of you and you're going to walk right past it on your way to the liquor store. And so ultimately, what I would encourage you to really understand is that we're not just trying to uh, change access. You know, maybe that was a different conversation a, a long time ago. Like, oh, if we can get black people access to education, if they had more money to go to college and all that. Maybe 50 years ago, that argument worked, but now you're in the age of the internet. You're in the age of artificial intelligence. Uh, knowledge, I, I'm, I, you got people, professors like me that, that are online that you could talk to all the time and interact with for a very low cost or even free in many cases. Um, there, that, that's not the barrier. The barrier is value systems. Uh, there are lots of people I would love to talk to about all these things we discuss every day, but they're not interested. They're not paying attention. The only time they start to pay attention is when there's a disaster. Like when something goes wrong, uh, they lose their job, you know, because, you know, they they realize something that we've talked about extensively that uh, white corporate America doesn't really love you the way that you think that they do. Uh, when they go through something like that, they go through a tragedy, then suddenly you've got their attention, right? Oh my God, I can't pay the bills. What am I going to do? It's like, yeah, maybe we should have talked about that before, uh, before the disaster happened in a preventative way, as opposed to talking about it in a reactive way. Uh, and, and that, if you can get over that one little issue, of being um, proactive instead of reactive, that goes a very long way in your wealth. Uh, typically, people that train themselves to be proactive as opposed to reactive, like they prepare as, as opposed to just respond, people like that tend to be more successful in almost every area of life. If they can, because what's happened is that their consciousness, this is why financial consciousness training is so important. This is why consciousness exercises matter so much, is that people uh, who are conscious, they don't just see what's happening. They also see what happened. They see what's going to happen. And then they think about what could have happened and what could happen, right? Those are three different levels. So it's a three different dimensions. Seeing what is happening, that's the third dimension. That's length, width, and height. That's what you see around you. The fourth dimension is when you see what did happen, you study history, and then you look see, you look and you see what's going to happen based on uh, your, your current trajectory. That's, that's the fourth dimension. The fifth dimension is where you can actually see not just what did happen and what's going to happen, you see what could have happened and what uh, can still occur. 
right? That's what it means to be a visionary. In case you're wondering, that's what it means to have vision. I, I want you to be able to live in the fifth dimension. The fifth dimension is where you can say, yeah, if we keep going down this path, then these are all the things that are going to happen. But but if we pivot, then this is what can this is what can occur. Like so, so when I talk to you guys about what I view for the in terms of the future of the black community, I try to live in the fifth dimension. I I have we have things like Project Twenty Seventy where I said if black people pivot, if we simply put as much energy into wealth building, business ownership, and investing as we put into basketball, football, rapping, and twerking that we'll be the leading wealth builders on the planet. We won't be trying to catch up with white people anymore. White people will be trying to catch up with us. They'll be trying to understand how we are the ones who control all the wealth. And the thing is that that's how the Jewish community became so powerful economically. There was somebody in their history or some group of people who just committed to the pivot. In China, China became one of the great economic powers uh, in history because they had somebody who was committed to the pivot, somebody who lived in the fifth dimension and said, you know what, China is a mess. We are the laughing stock of the world. We have we are inundated with opium addicts everywhere. Our country is uh, falling apart. Uh, there's lots of chaos. But if we commit to some basic ideas, then we can actually become a great economic and political superpower around the planet. And uh, that's when they formed a 100-year plan for their community that actually uh, they're in about year 50 of that plan. And that's why you see China rising up the way that it's rising up. China could literally go to war with the United States because they've become so powerful. The idea of China going to war with the U.S. 50 years ago would have been a joke. It would have been an absolute joke. So, so what I want us to do is I want us to really – um, understand this, you know, go through those consciousness exercises and kind of have some imagination. And, and I think sometimes what does occur is that it, is that there's there's a certain amount of risk that comes with having an imagination. There's there's the risk of failure. There's the risk of ridicule. Right? There's the risk of of not knowing what you're doing, the risk of, of people telling you that your vision is stupid and crazy and weird and because they can't see it. Right. It, it sucks. I don't know if anybody's ever gone through this, but it sucks to have a vision when you're surrounded by people who, who have no vision at all. Right. It, it stinks to be able to see something that doesn't yet exist around people who only see what's happening in the here and now. That 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 inability to elevate your consciousness and see all the possibilities in front of you, that is a type of prison. I call that being trapped in the moment. Look at how many people you see where literally when it's like 20, 2018. All they were thinking about was 2018. They couldn't visualize 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. So in 2018, when you're telling people little basic economic uh, principles that were as clear as day, like, hey, you know, if you buy a little Bitcoin every week, by the year 2023, 2024, you'll have $50,000, $100,000. Nobody would listen to that. Nobody would listen to that. I told you guys about that guy who was in 2012. He has a video where he was begging black people to buy Bitcoin back when it was like 25 cents a coin. I told you all about this guy. Right. And this guy, you know, he had this vision. He said, I want black people to buy If black people buy into this. They're going to have so much money. It's going to be so great. And a few couple people listen. A lot of people are like, whatever. That's stupid. I'm not doing that because they were trapped in the moment. They were incarcerated. Right. And it's very, very hard to be a free person when you're, you're surrounded by incarcerated people whose minds are in prison. So really that inability to see what could be or what's going to be because you're so focused on what is and what's right in front of you. That is that is that is what you would call being trapped in the moment. And a lot of people do that. That's why that leads to bad choices. And I'm going to get I'm going to pull up the slides in a second. Uh, like one bad choice is when you have a lot of people who um, 
you know, who, uh, for example, uh, I don't know, let's say you have some guy that has like six kids and, and five, four babies, mamas. Uh, to me, he was trapped in the moment. He was he was he was looking at the woman and said, that looks good. And I'm going to be young forever and I'm going to go and enjoy my experience with this person. I'm going to live for the moment. And then later on, long term, all those moments start piling up and all those moments start showing up as little children who all need to be fed and child support. Right. And so now he's 37 years old and he's trying to grow up. He's trying to get married, trying to start a new life. But he really can't because all his uh, demons from the past, all those little moments are, are kind of still in his past plucking at his paycheck, right? So he can't move forward economically. Uh, so, so a lot of times this is why things like healing and therapy are so important because a person who goes through therapy is more likely to be enlightened enough to understand things like cause and effect in their own life. They're more likely to understand their subconscious programming. They're more likely to understand why they keep making the same mistake over and over and over again. And uh, because if you don't, then you're going to just stumble through life. I, I really think that there is a there. I think there there is a clear plan to keep us stumbling, keep us off balance, keep us messing up, keep us screwing up. Okay, so one thing I want to give you guys before we actually get started, I want to give you guys a stock um, that I that I'm buying today is a good day to buy stock if you're watching this live. Uh, and why is it a good day? Well, because the stock market dipped uh, quite a bit, a few, a couple hundred points. So these are good opportunities. Uh, the company, uh, write it down. If somebody write it down, somebody put it in the chat so others can see it. It's Applied Digital Corporation, APLD, Applied Digital Corporation, APLD. So literally, just to give you an idea on how simple investing is, literally while I'm talking to you all, I'm literally opening up my E-Trade account and I'm going to go buy some more stock in Applied Digital. I already own stock in this company, but I'm going to buy more. And uh, and and this is something that I do with uh, the students that are in the stock market investing class. So if you were to go to the black the the black stock market program.com, you can get access to all that, all the training, all the information. So if stock market investing is your thing and you want to get better at it, I got you. I wrote my whole dissertation uh, when I got my Ph.D. I wrote my whole dissertation on the stock market. So I would literally overwhelm you with with so much information about the market it's going to make your head spin or you can just stick to the basic stuff which is fine too so if you'd like to be overwhelmed with information uh have every question answered we can do that or if you just want some simple rules maybe four or five things you can practice that are really simple that will make a massive difference in your wealth i can do that too so so either way you either if you want it light i can give it to you light or if you want it heavy give it to you heavy all right so what i'm gonna what i'm doing right now is I'm literally going into my um, E-Trade and I'm looking for Applied Digital. The ticker symbol is APLD, APLD. And uh, feel free to uh, follow along on your own app if you if you have um, some Robinhood or uh, E-Trade, Robinhood, um, Ameritrade, uh, what's um, Acorns or Stash. You can do this on any of those apps. And uh, the share price is $4.33. The stock did go down, so it's a little bit cheaper. So it's a cheaper stock. So uh, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to buy me, uh, it's $4.34. Let me get like 200 shares. So, so I'm going to take uh, you know, a few hundred bucks and uh, you can buy whatever you can. So if you only got $20, you can buy you know four shares, five shares, right? It's totally fine. But if you have uh, an extra hundred bucks, 200 bucks, you buy the stock and here's what you do. Here's what I do with my stock. You know what I do with my stock? I just buy it and I throw it in the closet and I just sit there and I just have, I just own it. And then you know what happens? I get these little Christmas gifts all throughout the year where I will go in and I will literally for have forgotten that I bought a certain company. I'll go in and I'll see some stock that's tripled in value and I've made all this money, thousands of dollars, and I'll be like, wow, I don't even remember buying this company because I buy so much stock that I don't remember everything that I bought. 
Why? Well, because I want investing to become one of my subconscious habits that's going to lead my family to financial security and prosperity. Right. I want to think about buying stock the same way you think about eating lunch or going to the bathroom. If I was to ask you, you know, name all the times you've ever gone to the toilet in your whole entire life. And I'll give you $20 million. If you can name every single time you've ever gone to the bathroom, you could not do it. You cannot do it. Even if I, I could offer you a billion dollars and you couldn't do it. If I said, I'll give you a billion dollars. If you can name every single time you sat down and ate lunch, you couldn't do it. If I said, name, name, name I'll give you a billion dollars. If you name every time you had a conversation with your child, you couldn't do it because you had thousands of them. Why? Well, because it's just part of who you are. You understand? See, this is something that I, and I'm going to, I'm going to focus on this point before we, we get into uh, this next step of the conversation. Michael Jordan is one of the greatest, is the greatest basketball player in the history of the world. He's a prick, but he's a great basketball player. One thing Michael Jordan said in his book that I really loved was uh, I read his book when I was 22, 23 years old and I was having a really hard time. I was stumbling through my PhD program, getting my, Royal ass kicked. I mean, it was a mess. It was terrible. I, there's nothing like going from being the number one student on the entire campus, which I was in undergrad, to being like to making D's and F's on a test that you where you study 10 hours a day. I, I'd never gone. I was in classes that I wasn't ready for. Math, math PhD students were in these classes. I, I didn't even have the basics. And so I was going through hell. It was very depressing. I was really sad because there's nothing like working hard at something and just failing miserably and just falling on your face. My mother called me one time and I was so depressed. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. I had not got out of bed. I had a day full of classes. And I said, she said, are you sick? I said, no, I just don't see any reason to get up. You know, that's how bad I felt. And so one of the things that I, that I read that really helped me was I read Michael Jordan's book. I don't know what the name was, the book was called, but I read his book because I wanted to learn the mindset of a champion. How do winners think? How did this man go from, from winning no championships, crying in the back of the bus, getting his butt kicked by the Detroit Pistons every year, not being able to figure out how to go past a certain level, to being a man who was so good and so great at what he did that he just won championships like it was nothing. He would just, he just stringed them off. He won six. He could have won eight or nine, right? He, he was that great. So, uh, so here's what uh, I remember from the book. This is one thing that stepped out that really jumped out at me was he said that when you are trying to elevate and you're trying to be great at something, it has to be part of your subconscious programming. It, it, it can't just be something that you're choosing to do. It has to be who you are. It has to be one of your core values. It, he said, he said, great men, in his opinion, he said, great men and great women, li they live by a code. They live by principles. They, they have a principle. They, so so, so, so what, the way I saw this was that if your principle, if your goal is black excellence, black excellence has to be injected in your veins every morning. It has to flow through your blood. You got to just be the essence of it. If you're trying to be great, you're trying to be smart, you're trying to be wealthy, you're trying to be successful, that just has to be who you are. It's such a part of who you are that you just know it's there. You don't have to you don't have to think it's there or be told it's there or or convince yourself that it's there. It's just there. It's there in your habits. It's there in the way you talk. It's there in the way you do the way you uh, connect with the world. And people just see it. It just flows off of you. Like like you ever see somebody that's really into Jesus? Like they're really into their God. Like they just like you know. And think about it. Look at look at how somebody acts like when they're really about God. Like I'm talking about for real, not the fakes. I'm talking about the real for real people that are really about God. They just live it. It's just it's a it's a it's a core value. It's 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 just who they are. 
you know, and uh, maybe every other sentence is, you know, thank God, praise the Lord, you know, well, God willing, you know, uh, I, I want to give credit to God, that kind of thing. So I think that the same thing is, is true when you're talking about really embracing this economic thing. I think that anybody in here that wants to really take it to the next level, internalize that in who you are. So, so for example, so let's just circle full back, go full circle so we can understand this. So when I was buying Apply Digital, the ticker symbol is APLD, by the way, um, what I was doing was I was showing you how I just buy stock because I want to be a stock holder. I buy assets because I want to be a wealth builder. I acquire consistently stuff that I buy and I don't remember what I bought because that's just who I am. I'm an acquirer. I want to be, remember we talked about what it takes to build sturdy children, that acronym S T E R D Y S T E R D Y. It stands for systems, technology, entrepreneurship, relationships, and delegation for the youth. Uh, and I'm not going to go through that because we've talked about that before. I don't, and, and I can, we can do another training on it later, but I want to make this point to say that uh, when we're talking to, kids about what they want to be, how they want to make their money, how they want to view themselves. We give them these acronyms to say, these are the values that we want you to internalize. This is who you want. We need you to be. Um, and another acronym we use in the black business school is poise. We tell kids to keep their poise. It's P-O-I-S-E, P-O-I-S-E. And it tells you who, this is who you're going to be in this economy. It's like, it's like a football game where you tell the kid, you're going to be the wide receiver. You're going to be the quarterback. You're going to be the defensive back. You're going to be the lineman. So what I tell them is that in this economy, everybody play, picks a position. Everybody plays their part. Everybody has a role. There, there is the consumer and the producer. We tell our kids, you're going to be the producer. That's the P in poise. The O stands for owner. You're not going to be the renter. You're going to be the owner. That's what. That's the position you're going to play. That's how you score the points. You're going to be on offense. You're not going to be on defense. Uh, the I stands for investor. We need you to be the investor in this economy because investors have the wealth in this economy. The S stands for saver. We need you to save your money. We don't want you tricking your money out, throwing it away, take, th throwing it up in the club or, or just overspending. We need you to save because that's how you get financial security. You save your money so your money can save you. And then also we need you to be the entrepreneur. The entrepreneurs are the builders. They're the ones who create the businesses. They're the ones who develop the infrastructure. They're going to be the job creators for the next generation so that we're not begging other people to take care of us. Okay. So ultimately, uh, P-O-I-S-E, POISE, is one acronym we use in the Black Business School. Uh, one great thing that we've gotten good at is coming up with very simple models that can be applied. And if they are applied, they, they make a massive difference in your economic outcome. So literally, uh, I can give you a little trick. If you're a parent or an uncle or a grandparent or you just have kids that you mentor, offer the kids like $10 to memorize the POISE acronym. If you want to add a couple million dollars in wealth to your family right now, Pay, pay the kids like 10 or $20 because kids will do anything for 10 bucks, 20 bucks. And just tell them what poise means. Producer, owner, investor, saver, entrepreneur, producer, owner, investor, saver, entrepreneur. Have them memorize the poise acronym and say, if you can recite this back to me, I will give you 20 bucks. The kid's going to be ecstatic. They're not going to think much of it. They're just going to memorize it. But let me, when I tell you, when I tell you, that this is going to change their whole trajectory and their economic life. I am not playing with you. I am not. I am as serious as a heart attack right now. I'm looking you in the eye. I can't even see your eyes, but I'm staring at you right now, trying to tell you if you do this, it will take them to the freaking moon. You have put them ahead of 99% of all the other little kids out here, especially from our community. 
because they're so there are people there are people that are 30 years old they don't even understand the difference between producer consumer uh what what it means to be an owner uh they've never internalized what it means to be an investor they're learning investing at the age of 35 or 40 years old uh they've never saved money in their life they've never thought about being an entrepreneur but a person who embodies this acronym who says okay this is the position i'm going to play when i go into this economy like a football player i'm i'm the quarterback right they've internalized this idea that when i play football i'm supposed to be the quarterback that 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 kid that's going to that sees himself like okay i'm going to keep my poise i want to be the producer not the consumer i want to be the owner not the renter i want to be the investor not the person who is uh who is who's who's in debt uh, i want to be the saver not the spender i want to be the entrepreneur which means i'm i'm the boss i'm not the employee all the time that's not that's temporary all other states are temporary right if i am on if i am a consumer that's temporary because i want to ultimately be more producer than i am consumer if i am a renter that's temporary because i want to own more than I rent. If I am, a, if I am, if I'm a person that's in debt, that's temporary because I I only go in debt to the extent that it helps me position me to become a better investor. If I'm a spender, that's temporary because ultimately spenders don't do well in this economy. You you the spenders are lifting the economy up, but the spenders do not benefit from the economy. It is the savers that benefit. And then the last piece, the entrepreneur. Yeah, I can work for someone for a while, but ultimately I need to have my own venture. I need to have my own business. That's mindset. I sat here and this morning, my wife and I did a whole pillow talk. We have that podcast pillow talk, which is on Spotify. If you ever want to watch it or drboystv.com. And, uh, you know, cause my wife is a therapist, a licensed therapist, full professor, all this stuff. So, so we like to share our thoughts in hopes that they, they can help somebody. And we were both sitting there watching the Grammys and we were sitting there and we saw Jay-Z give a speech and he was complaining about Beyonce not getting awards and all that. It was a weird speech. It was kind of rambling a little bit, to be honest with you. I didn't understand it. And, uh, and I, and we were just sitting there thinking like, why are these powers? powerhouse these amazing powerful people why aren't they at this point why are they still seeking validation from the grammy committee why 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 do we what what is happening here this doesn't make any sense i've I never seen taylor swift say well you know i'm really accomplished but i've never gotten an naacp image award right or you know i'm I, i've done a lot but hey i've never had black people give me anything so they need to acknowledge me in order for me to feel complete or feel whole um, people at that level, at that Jay-Z level or the Kanye West level, whatever, they're supposed to be institution builders. They're supposed to be create. They're not supposed to be seeking validation. They're supposed to be giving validation. Do you understand? So producer, owner, investor, saver, entrepreneur, that's what POI stands for. Um, and I apologize if I didn't see your, any uh, comments or questions in the chat. I was just trying to really focus and get this point out because I, I really am that serious about it in terms of something that I know if you just give your kid $10, $20 to memorize this you are literally putting them on a whole different trajectory of economics that you can't, I can't even describe it to you. I can't explain it to you. You just have to do it. And then, and then in about 20 years, you're going to really see what I'm talking about. It's going to take about 10, 20 years, but I promise you one day they'll be given some lifetime achievement award. And I want you to go back to that acronym and look at how their economic trajectory shifted because this is how they see themselves. All right. Uh, now, some of you are asking about a simple way to get started with stock market investing. There's a URL above my head, the drboysmethod.com. Uh, that's an 11 step method that I put together in a formal black stock market weekend that we did uh, about a year ago. It was really, really good. Everyone loved it. And basically I just broke down 11 steps on how on questions you can ask yourself to decide if a certain stock is right for you. So there is a methodology you can use. If you're into that kind of thing, you can go through the Dr. Boyce method.com and take a look and see if that, that benefits you. All right. So let me, um, let me share a, my screen on something here. 
um, so we can uh, talk about one of our the key lessons for today. Now, by the way, I know one of you, uh, some someone mentioned that they had thought that this uh, daily financial consciousness training would consist of me reading directly from my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. Um, I get I created the slides because I thought that would be easier than actually reading from directly from the book. But if you want to hear the book read to you, uh, it is on Audible. So if you go to Audible and search for the Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power, uh, some of you have requested that I put it on Audible, so that's what I did. And uh, and so it is on Audible if you want to actually hear the book actually read directly to you. Uh, and at some point, e even in this daily training, I can actually read the. We can do that again. Like we can go through it again, and I can literally read word for word in this book because I I'm enjoying meeting with you every single morning, and I hope that you're benefiting and enjoying as much as I am. And so what I'm gonna do actually, I decided today that instead of doing this as just a 30 days of financial consciousness training, I think I'm ready to commit. I think I, I want to commit to doing this every single day, seven days a week at 10 a.m. Eastern every single morning. So if that's of interest to you, uh, what I can do is let you in. We 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 we're gonna charge a monthly fee um but the fee the fee will be like 79 dollars a month uh to join me every single morning but for those of you that are here if you text the word morning to 87948 i'll send you a link where you can get in for 76 percent off so that's what we call the 24 for 24 so for 24 hours you can pay 24 percent of the of the price so whatever that number is i i think it drops from 79 dollars down or 70 79 dollars down to maybe like less than 20 bucks or something like that per month and and in exchange for that, uh, again, you're funding the Black Business School. You're helping us to get things done. Like we're doing the All Black National Convention, a lot of things that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we want to stay, we have to stay independent. We cannot go and get money from corporations or the government because uh, what we're teaching is um, it has to be a uniquely crafted curriculum. So if that's something you want to do, uh, you know, for the first uh, couple hundred of you that join in the next 24 hours, we will take 76% off the monthly fee and you can just be a, be a member for as long as you want to be a member. And if you want to leave, you can always leave. Okay. So, uh, text the word morning to eight, seven, nine, four, eight. I will send you the text this afternoon that will let you join, uh, for 76% off the monthly fee. And we'll just do this forever. We'll just rock it out. So once we finish this book, we'll just do another one. And, uh, and then maybe we'll circle back to the 10 commandments and, and, and go deeper into the different topics. Uh, do wealth lessons every day. And so this economic conversation on a daily basis, this is how you internalize your economic uh, strategy in your life. All right. So let's keep going. All right. So the four steps to economic power, we talked about that uh, yesterday a little bit, but I want to cover this really quickly just to make sure we understand a simple model. Uh, number one is you have to learn where the money is. Uh, that's financial consciousness. A lot of people don't have financial consciousness. Uh, oh, what's the number again? It's 87948. So if you text morning, the word morning to 87948, because this is money in the morning, uh, 87948, I will send you the link this afternoon, about about noon or so, uh, where you can join for 76% off. So text the word morning to 87948. And 87948 is kind of just the number, right? So for example, if you want information on our kids programs, if you text the word youth to 87948, we can send you information on on our Black Business School for Children. Uh, my wife, uh, she does our Black Financial Therapy Department. So if you text the word wellness, uh, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, -S, to 87948, she'll send you information on therapy and healing. So that's kind of like a text hub. That's a way to kind of get free information from the Black Business School. All right, so the first step to wealth is number one, you got to learn where the money is. Uh, you know, that's financial consciousness. Uh, you'd be amazed how many people are trying to make money but have no idea who makes the most money, why they make money. Like if I say the name Ken Griffin, how many of you know the name Ken Griffin? Let's just start there. Let's, let me ask you all this simple question. It's not, I mean, don't feel bad if you don't know the answer. A lot of people don't. How many of you know who Ken Griffin is? 
Yes or no? Just give me a yes or no. It's okay to say no. A lot of people are going to say no. It's okay. Henry Irvin says yes. Okay. Uh, Veronica says yes. Uh, Angel Maria says no. Okay. I see some yeses. I see some no's. Ken Griffin is a guy who makes more money than any rapper, basketball player, anybody you can name. I'm not sure, but I'm willing to bet you Ken Griffin made at least a billion dollars last year, maybe two or three billion dollars, or maybe more than that, even more than that. Uh, Ken Griffin is, um, I think he wrote, his company is called Citadel, and it's a hedge fund. And basically, these hedge fund managers, they're the ones who are really hoarding in all the money at insane levels. Like they're, they're, the amount of money they make is, I mean, Steph Curry, LeBron, all that, that's nickels and pennies to people like Ken Griffin, stuff like that. Uh, or or a lot of people, maybe maybe you saw, you could have seen a headline where Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, made $28 billion last week. And 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 a lot of people don't know why or how he made $28 billion. They know it's like, oh, it has something to do with Facebook. He founded Facebook in his dorm room 20 years ago. And, uh, and, and remember, <clears throat> if Zuckerberg had been black, Facebook would not exist. If Zuckerberg had been black, he would probably be some senior engineer at some company wondering what would have happened if he'd started his own company. He would be, you know, he'd be like employee of the year or something because his company would make billions of dollars from his best ideas. And he'd, he'd feel like he was at the height of success because he's got, he's making 500,000 a year and he's driving a Lamborghini or something. And he would think that that's, you know, that he's balling out of control. And uh, now Ken Griffin, you're right. He's, he's, he donates heavily to Harvard university and uh, he, uh, Harvard is not going to get his money because I guess Ken has an issue with the way they're educating young people or whatever. Um, I think I'm not sure if he's one of those people that's against things like diversity, equity, and inclusion. That part I'm not sure. I got to double check. But I know that he said something like he said Harvard's producing a bunch of um, a bunch of students that are that are little cupcakes or something. And uh, and I'm gonna tell you, coming coming from my generation. Men um, of my age and older, we tend to feel that way, like that the, 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 the kind of, that the young people are kind of soft. <laughs> and uh, so I actually don't disagree with him. So he actually said he's going to withhold his donation to Harvard and uh, he gives he gives hundreds of millions of dollars to Harvard. So anyway, let, let so let's get back. So 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 when you talk about where the money resides, uh, you, you you have to know who's making the most money and why. Uh, and then what you do is if you want to make money, well, you say, OK, well, whatever they're doing to make money, I want to do something like that. You know, Zuckerberg made his billions because he started a company. He took his engineering skill, his technological skill, and he didn't just seek a job with it. He actually took that and created an enterprise. Um, make a plan to obtain the money. Once you know where the money is, you have to make a plan to go get it. A lot of people uh, want to get wealthy, but they don't have a financial plan. You have to have a plan. The third uh, thing you have to do is you have to work the plan. Uh, that's the, the So the first step might be called consciousness. The second step might be called um, strategy or planning. And the third step would be called execution. You have to follow through. You have to do something. And so a lot of people have great ideas, a great vision. Uh, they have great consciousness of where the opportunities are. And then they may even make a plan to go pursue it. But that execution piece requires this word called discipline, which, again, is a consciousness exercise because you live in a society that does not encourage you to have a lot of discipline. Uh, I think that in our community, conversations about discipline are not necessarily as interesting to a lot of people as conversations about 
that, that involve a lack of discipline, that involve instant gratification. Discipline leads to things like delayed gratification. Delayed gratification is not fun to talk about. Slow money is not interesting to people uh, the way fast money is interesting to people. So you can have fast money conversations all day and everyone will listen. But when you have the slow money conversation, a lot of people don't listen. But what they don't understand is that typically the slow money is the sturdy money. The slow money is the easy money to obtain. The slow money is the money that's going to hold it down for you long term. The slow money is what leads to generational wealth, power, and freedom that we claim to want to achieve. It's very, very hard to achieve high levels of, of power and freedom overnight. It's almost impossible to do that. There must be a sacrifice, and typically it's a prolonged sacrifice. Uh, even when you talk about uh, even when I hear people talk about, uh, uh, you know, either the way they live their lives or or even enduring things like like institution building through marriage, I, I hear a lot of talk that that honestly doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'll hear people say, uh, of course, I have to leave the relationship because I'm not happy. Right. I saw something I, I saw something the other day. And again, if you don't agree, that's OK. Please feel free to disagree with me. Uh, but but I, I want to lay out something for you to consider. So I heard I saw a story about this couple. Uh, apparently, they're they're the they're this couple in Atlanta. They had this big social media following the Jacksons of Atlanta and they had six kids. And uh, after they had the six kids, they, they're like, we're getting a divorce. And people are like, well, why are you getting a divorce? You know, you we look up to you. You're a power couple. And they, you know, went through the story. The wife issued a statement on social media where she says, uh, my husband had an affair with a woman at, that he worked with, and that's inappropriate, so I'm going to leave. And then the man, you know, comes back, and I, I don't know if he acknowledged his affair or not, but he said, I have to go find myself, right? This, I, you know, I have to go find myself or something. And I, and I remember thinking to myself, Honestly, I, I want to say it politely because I don't want to be judgmental on this, but I'm going to sound judgmental because somebody has to judge something. I said, so you had six kids and then and now you're finding yourself after you had the six kids. Like That's almost like like getting an abortion after the baby's born. Like, I, I don't understand that. It doesn't make like, wait, six, wait, six. You had six kids. All your kids are under the age of 10. I think something crazy like that. And now you're going to go find yourself. And uh, and I'm I'm old school, you know. My father is is old school, so that makes me a little old school, you know. I cannot imagine if if I when I was thirteen, my father was about thirty one, and if my father at the age of thirty one was coming to the family like every day, we depended on him. He paid the bills. That's where we why we had a place to live. He came home every day, and if he came in and said you know, I got to go find myself. We would be like, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, daddy, what are we doing? Like, you're the leader of the household, so you got to go just find yourself? Like, you're just going to abandon ship? You know, I, I wouldn't have understood. Or, if, or even, and honestly, even if my mother was like, you know, I found out that your father, you know, he's not a good husband and blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying that she wouldn't have a right to feel that way. I get it, right? Everybody goes through their stuff. But we, I'd be, I've been like, well, I don't care. I just know I don't want to have to go live in the projects because you can't pay the bills anymore or have to deal with a string of new boyfriends that you're bringing through the house that might, one of them might rape me one day. I don't know. Like, what kind of men are you bringing in that? I want daddy in the house. If you want my vote, my vote is for daddy. My vote, I, I know y'all had your problem, but my vote is for daddy. And again, Again, I know that sounds different. That's not the common narrative that you hear from a lot of people. And I'm not judging if you disagree. I'm saying that what I don't hear very often 
is people accepting some basic idea that says this, that maybe it's okay for you to be a little uncomfortable if your children are going to benefit from your sacrifice, right? So again, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, you know, I get it. Yeah. People cheat and you got to go to, and it happens all the time, right? Cheating happens everywhere, but somehow we think it's never going to happen to us. Uh, but I, I will say, honestly, how about this? I'll put it this way. I'll, I'll use myself as an example. And this is going to make me sound like the biggest simp punk on the, on, on the earth. But if my wife and I had children and let's say we had three kids and we're building this family and I'm building my little visionary empire, I'm teaching them to be little wealth builders and I'm homeschooling them and all that. If my wife cheated on me, I would probably just, I, I don't know. I would try to figure out how to stick it out. I, I would, I would just be like, I'm not, you know, yeah, it sucks, man. I, I'm mad at you, but I love my kids and I want to be in the house with my kids. And if that means I'm going to be uncomfortable for 20 or 30 years so I can make sure these little kids get what they need, I'm going to do that. Right. And again, I'm not saying everyone should agree with me. I'm saying that that's an option. I'm saying that that perspective is an option. It is an option to say that, yes, I'm extremely uncomfortable right now. This relationship isn't very much fun, but I'm going to find a way to make this relationship better. We're going to go to therapy. Right. Most people that get these divorces, they don't go to any therapy whatsoever. They only get any outside help. You get you are traumatized, screwed up. You never saw a good family example of what a family looks like. You never learned anything about how to build a family. Yet when things get hard, you just abandon ship and don't even seek help. You don't even get anybody to come in and give you all these advanced therapeutic techniques that might save your relationship, at least help you talk to each other without wanting to beat each other up. It's out there. It's free. This information is some of it's cheap or free. Right? My, now, my wife is a therapist. She's not free, but there's stuff out there that doesn't cost very much. And to me, the family is an institution that's extremely important to your success and the success of anybody in your bloodline. The family is a valuable economic tool that has been lost in the black community because we don't value that anymore. Uh, trillions of dollars in wealth is lost every generation when we're making babies and then splattering the family into little little pieces. Because what happens is that in a competitive economic system where group economics runs the day, you have no team. You have no group. You're playing. You're trying to play in the Super Bowl, and you are one person showing up with a helmet and some pads, thinking you're going to beat the Dallas Cowboys, or well, the Cowboys will never get to the Super Bowl apparently. But you're trying to beat the San Francisco 49ers all by yourself. You're not. It's not going to work. Like Michael Jackson said in the Wiz, "You can't win." You can't break even and you can't get out of the game. And, and, and we don't understand this. You know, so so what here's what I'm here's what I'm gonna propose. And this links this links back to the economic conversation, right? Anything you invest in, that investment must be protected. Anything you invest in financially, you have to protect and vet the investment. Anything you invest in with things that are more valuable than money, like your time or your love or your 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 reproductive organs, whatever. It has to be vetted properly. I, there, there's there's not much vetting, not proper vetting. Again, because instant gratification rules today. Delayed gratification is seen as boring and dumb, and makes you a simp or makes you boring. It makes you makes you uninteresting, right? Um, uh, but also the thing about investing is that investments have to be maintained. Assets must be maintained for them to achieve their full economic value. So the family, like any other financial asset in your life, just like your 401k, just like your real estate, just like your small business, it has to be maintained. Well, what does that look like? Well, if I am getting married and I'm and I'm seen, I'm living in the fifth dimension, right? I married my wife and yeah, she looks good and all that. But I'm thinking also about all the great things we can do together. 
because she's a smart black woman who works hard, who has all these credentials. So I'm seeing the vision, right? But in order for me to achieve the vision, I have to go through those four, those steps of wealth, those steps of, of, of accomplishment, right? I have to um, be able to see where the opportunities are. I have to make a plan. I have to work the plan. And then, and then I'll get to the fourth step in a minute. But the other piece of that too is that the entire time I have to do whatever I can to maintain that relationship. Just like an airplane that's going to fly you off the ground, you have to maintain the airplane. If not, you end up like Boeing where parts of your plane are falling off in the sky and then you have a bloody plane crash. That's what our families remind me of. That's what a lot of our families today remind me of. They remind me of airplanes that we build and they're built with shoddy parts and nobody's thinking about it. Nobody did any sort of checklist. You know, I became a pilot and in my pilot training, we have a checklist that's super long of all the things we have to go through before we take that sucker off the ground. So just to make sure you don't die, Starting with making sure there's enough gas in the plane, making sure that the oil is hot enough, making sure that all the pieces are properly connected, and making sure that the communications work, making sure you know where the hell you're going. And, but but we don't do that. We get in the airplane, this thing called a family, which is a, a powerful entity that can take you to the highest heights of society, but it can also crash and burn and destroy Everything about you, it can destroy your spirit. It can murder your soul if it doesn't go right. Anybody who's ever been traumatized in a bad relationship knows what I'm talking about. Anybody who's ever gone through the hell of divorce and, and or seen your parents break up and your family fall apart or, or siblings stop speaking to each other, you know what I'm talking about, right? So you got this powerful thing called a family. And instead of going through the proper checklist and making sure that, the, that everything's working right, making sure you're getting into a stable vehicle, we just hop in the plane and just take off. And then, and then we don't, don't know how to fly, don't know which way to go, don't know anything. And I'm going to tell you, any pilot who does that, any pilot who gets in a plane and doesn't go through the checklist and doesn't know where he's going, he's going to die. He's not going to reach his destination, he, and he probably will lose his damn license. He, you know, because they, they tell you this, if you don't go through this checklist, you will lose your license. So I believe that when you're talking about anything that's powerful like that, so we talked about the airplane, I'm comparing the family to the airplane. When you're making children and getting married, I think that you should require yourself to go through proper training to make sure that you know how to manage the, the, the big, powerful Bronco that you're about to get on, that you know how to fly this airplane, that you that the, the, the parts of the plane are solid and vetted, that you've gone through the proper checklist. Uh, that means premarital counseling. That means taking time to get to know people. That means thinking carefully before you engage in instant gratification of sleeping with people who are not going to be good co-parents with you. And, and then... What happens, and then once you actually seal the knot and you sign this legal document, this legal financial document called a marriage certificate, you have to manage that investment like any other investment. Part of your budget should be marriage counseling, even if you don't have a problem. My wife and I started getting marriage counseling before we got married, before we have had any problems, just as preventative maintenance, just to make sure that if there's an issue that comes up, we can manage it properly so we can get back to the business of being successful and get back to the business of providing stability for these little people that are around us who are looking to us to provide consistent, solid leadership. I go to therapy on a regular basis because I know the importance of my role as the leader of this household. And my importance of this role, my power that I have, I have a tremendous amount of power in my household. I have power outside of my household. And one of the things about power is that as a person who has power, there you must go through the consciousness exercise of saying, how do I adequately use this power so that I don't go in and destroy the people that I really am supposed to help? 
How do I talk to you guys and make sure I don't say anything stupid that's going to lead you off a cliff? How do I deal with the children while making sure that they can't they don't grow up feeling traumatized because they were in the house with me? And, and the thing about it is that these steps, I think, should be considered by everyone, because then what happens is you 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 are enhancing your wealth. You're enhancing your wealth because you're not you're not losing all your income because of a divorce. You're not giving all your money away to babies, mamas. You're not uh, you're not sitting here broke as hell like like the, the vast majority of single black mothers. The lowest median net worth in America is that of a single black mother with children. She has the lowest median net worth in the country. Why? Well, because it's really hard. It's expensive to raise kids, and it's very hard to do that while you work in two or three jobs. It's just it's just hard. Um, what else? Uh, you can also look at the other side of that. So that's what you call in economics. We might call that the shadow cost. The shadow cost. Is the You see, there's the cost that you see and the cost that you don't see. This is why you have to go through economic consciousness exercise to understand all the prices that you pay. So there's one price I pay. So let's say that I am a, a, a seven-time baby daddy and I'm angry because my wealth is being destroyed because I've got to pay child support on seven children. And I'm mad at their mamas and because I'm going through, maybe I'm dealing with parental alienation. This happens a lot, right? Where fathers are, are pushed out of the lives of their kids, you know, and they didn't do anything to deserve that, right? Or maybe I'm just upset because I don't get to spend time with my kids or I'm mad because I'm trying to build a family and my money is being drained. Right. My wife is mad at me because she's not getting a full husband. She's getting half of a husband because my check that might have been two thousand uh, dollars, you know, two uh, or five thousand dollars a month. Instead, we're getting twenty five hundred a month because half of that money is going to to pay for my past. It's paying for ghosts from the past. These little choices that I made in the past. OK, um, well, in that case, that's the cost that I see. That's what I see. The stress, frustration, the financial costs, et cetera. But what you also want to see and this is why you do the um, this is why you do the financial consciousness exercise is because there's also a shadow cost that you're paying. The shadow cost is the cost you don't see. The cost you don't see is the other reality that lives in the fifth dimension. Remember, I told you the fifth dimension means that you don't just see what is or what is going to be. The fifth dimension means you see what what could be or you don't see what, what did happen. You see what could have happened. So in the fifth dimension, there's another reality. There's another reality where um, I got my therapy early so that I was healed enough that I'm not going around and using a sex addiction to cover up from pain from the past or trauma from the past, um, or, or I feel whole enough about myself that I don't have to go copy sloppy sexual behavior from men who are who are trained to be irresponsible, um, or or maybe where I went through a process where I learned delayed gratification so that I was able to take my time in terms of building my family. I engaged in the real Planned Parenthood, which means planning for my children because I love them and I want their lives to be good. I don't want their daddy to show up broken in every way. Uh, also, I picked the right kind of partner uh, so that the, the, she, she could help me actually build and develop what I'm trying to grow as opposed to undermining it and destroying it. And then also I did the maintenance on that relationship throughout the entire process. I treated my relationship as an investment vehicle where I invest in that thing and manage it like any other asset so that my wife and I are getting along really well so that when we start that business together, the business is going to fly.
fly because there's minimal turbulence. There's minimal friction keeping that airplane off the ground. See, that's true. Again, the airplane analogy is perfect because that we in air in, in when you we, we go through flight training, we learn about the forces that move an airplane. The four forces that affect an airplane. I want to see if I get this right. I want to make sure I remember is, is um lift weight thrust and drag lift weight thrust and drag lift weight thrust and drag what is lift lift gets the damn plane off the ground thrust is what moves that sucker forward what is weight weight is what pulls it down drag is what slows it down so planes that move the fastest planes that go the highest are the ones that maximize the lift and the thrust but they minimize the weight and the drag that's what they do. If you want your plane to go fast and go high, if you look at stealth bombers and all these other planes that go super fast, lightning fast, faster than the speed of sound, they have maximized their lift and their weight, and they minimize thrust and drag. Anything that gives drag to the plane is removed. They make the surfaces real smooth. They, they bend the wings a certain way so that they fly aerodynamically. They, they look at the weight. They study the weight of the plane to make sure that you don't have too much weight that's, that's going to drag it down. And next thing you know, that sucker's just moving. So when you really want to analyze your life, if you want a simple template to analyze your life and think about what's it going to take for me to really fly, I want you to think about that. What are the areas in my life where where I have lift and I have thrust? And I, and how can I maximize the lift and the thrust in my life? And then where are the areas where I have weight and drag? What's what's pulling me down and then what's slowing me down? And 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 here's the thing, I don't want you to just look at other people when you do this. You need to look at you. The number one variable in your life that's affecting your success and your failure is Y-O-U. The person in the mirror is about 85% of the reason that you are not where you want to be. And I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about me too. I know I Boyce Watkins is the reason that Boyce is not the guy that he's supposed to be. I can blame it on everybody. I can look at my wife. I can look at the kids. I can look at y'all. I can look at society. I can look at my haters. I can look at, I can blame all these people. And that does matter. But you know what? If, if my plane shows up with maximal lift, maximal thrust, and I minimize my weight and my drag, none of those things can slow me down or stop me. Nothing will ever stop me. If I can maximize that, that one simple equation, this is how you succeed in every area of life. We're not even just talking about the economics. The economics is a, what happens then when you've maximized your lift and your, your thrust is that the economics simply becomes a manifestation of, of who you are. It, it's a, it, the money is not, it doesn't define you. The money then just becomes a reflection of the fact that you're truly living your best life. You're truly maximizing your passion. You're truly maximizing your, you're efficiently maximizing your capability. You're, you're, you're becoming the best version of yourself you can be. And one of the things that we don't do is we don't repair our airplane enough. We don't, we don't heal. We don't heal. You know, you, you think about a Boeing, if Boeing has a plane that's that that where the door flew off or something, right? And it's not working, they go back and they have to go study that plane and they have to make sure that they fix it. They have to heal it so it can fly properly. So so I think that a lot of our airplanes are broken. And we don't and we don't we don't go to the maintenance shop. We don't go get that therapy. We don't go get that help. You know, I think everybody on earth, anybody who wants to be good at something. Anybody who wants to be happy, anybody who wants to be successful, anybody who wants to add value and happiness to the lives of others, you have to go heal so you can show up properly and be the best person you can be.
And that that's and that's my day to day goal. My goal is like, man, I gotta deal with my screwed up stuff so that I can just be the best husband I can be and the best parent I can be. You know, even little things like um, I, I explained to our middle child, I said, you know, I really don't drink because I grew up around a lot of men who drank and they did not look like good men to me. They look like bad people and they did stupid things while they were drunk. So I don't want to be walking around the house drunk because I know that I'm a role model for you all. And I want to be a man that you can be proud of. I don't want to be a man that you have to make excuses for. Right. So so ultimately, when you talk about even the things with, with the economics, it all ties together. It all connects. OK, so let me share a couple more screenshots here. Um. Um, um, on this on this particular point uh, that I want to make uh, regarding uh, this this part of the Ten Commandments book. All right. So the, so we talked about the four steps to wealth or the first three steps. Learn where the money is. Make a plan to obtain the money. Number three, execute the plan. You have to execute the plan. If you don't execute, then nothing matters. And then number four is uh, is protect your wealth. Once you acquire wealth, you have to protect it. Uh, entertainers are really hilarious to me when it comes to their lack of ability to protect their wealth. Uh, a lot of them don't even read their contracts. That's why you hear rappers and stuff say, I got screwed on my contract because they didn't read it because they were so busy trying to become a star. Um, but then also, uh, or, or, you know, it, it, basically what happens is that when you actually acquire wealth, you're, you're kind of playing the game from a different position. So a wealthy person has to move through society differently from a person that has no wealth. A person that has a lot to lose can't live the same life as a person who has nothing to lose. Uh, again, we talked about Tupac as an example of that. But then also, generally speaking, um, you know, wealthy people have to watch out for little things like somebody coming to your doorstep uninvited and slipping on your porch. And then they sue you because they slipped on your porch and you're just pissed off because you didn't even invite them to your house. So protection through things like insurance, estate planning, uh, financial awareness, uh, additional financial literacy training, uh, et cetera, goes a very long way in terms of knowing how to keep what you have. 70% of all wealthy families, write this stat down, this is important, 70% of all wealthy families lose all their wealth in one generation. 70% of all wealthy families lose everything in one generation, and a lot of that is because they have children that steal their money. They, the children just take the money and they blow it. And uh, and so uh, if you don't want to be in that 70%, you have to make a plan on how you can be in the 30% where the wealth isn't stolen. But then you have an even tougher challenge because they said that 90% of all wealthy families lose all their wealth in two generations. So uh, if your kids don't steal it, your grandkids will steal it. So you may have to even think about the grandkids in the estate planning. So when we're planning the estate for my parents, we were talking about the kids, which would be me and us, my siblings. And then we talked about the grandkids. And, and, and part of that protection comes in the form of making sure that we instill specific values in the grandkids so they understand how hard we worked to acquire the wealth that affords them the lifestyle to which they will have become accustomed so that they can maintain certain family traditions. Uh, so, for example, Bernard Arnault, the richest man on earth, one of the best investments he makes is he has his children. He has his children uh, for lunch every, uh, once a month. And they sit down and they plan the family dynasty. Uh, he, he Bernard Arnault owns Louis Vuitton. He owns Hennessy. He owns all these luxury brands. And he gives his children, you know, control of the brands. I think one of his kids, he gave her, he gave her control of Tiffany. Uh, another one, he gave him control of, of the Hennessy brand, right? And uh, he has uh, lunch with his kids once a month. And they just connect as a family and they talk about what the family believes, what the family values are. So all these conversations that we have about family and how the black family is the multimillion dollar entity that we throw away every single year. 
there are people, wealthy people, who understand this very, very clearly. Uh, the the Rothschilds. We talk about the Rothschild family. The Rothschild family started with one Rothschild who said, "I want to go into banking and commerce." And then he had five, four or five sons. I can't remember which one. I want to say four sons. And all four of his Rothschild sons, he just said that nothing's more important than the Rothschild name. We're going to go through all throughout Europe and develop businesses that will celebrate the Rothschild name. People around the world will know the name Rothschild, and they're going to associate that with vast economic power. The most important thing that you can do as a Rothschild son is to be committed to the Rothschild family. These core values are the kinds of things that create generational wealth and legacy and take things to the next level. All right. Now, let's let's move to the next slide here. Um let me hit a button. I'm waiting for this button. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, if you want to get that uh, link to join um, uh, with the monthly fee and get 76% off, just text the word uh, uh, morning to 87948. Text morning to 87948. All right. So strong black businesses tend to do the following. Let's talk about strong black businesses uh, for a second. Uh, they support and sustain global movements. Uh, for example, if you have strong black businesses, uh, and this is why you want to build, build that wealth, right? If you're building wealth, Business, business building is an important part of that. So strong black businesses can support and sustain social movements. A lot of people, one thing I, I encourage you not to allow yourself to be sucked into is this idea that capitalism is always bad or that money is always evil. Capitalism can be bad. Capitalism can be very evil. The Americanized capitalism is going to, if America gets destroyed, it's going to be because we were overcommitted to capitalism. And, uh, and a lot of the world hates the United States because our capitalists greed has caused us to go and disrupt a lot of countries around the planet. Uh, that This is why I've, I have mixed feelings about the whole migrant crisis, <clears throat> because there's direct evidence that part of the reason that people are flooding across the border is because we've destabilized some of the countries that they came from. So, uh, so ultimately, uh, that's a reality you have to consider. However, one of the things I've noticed in black power movements is that they tend to have a very socialist communist bent. Like, for example, uh, when you hear uh, when you when I remember hearing uh, members of the Black Panthers calling themselves each other comrade and things like that, or the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement were all trained Marxists. There's nothing wrong with Marxism. I think Marxism is not a bad idea, a bad ideology. But I see that really as um, so I, I began to see the Black Lives Matter movement not so much as a movement that was authentically black. I saw it as a movement that was really Marxism in blackface. It was a leftist movement with black people's skin where where our struggle, our challenges were used to advance an agenda controlled by someone else. So uh, what I believe is that for black enterprise to properly grow and for black communities to be stronger, you have to have a blend. I think that you should respect and support ideas that might be on that liberal side uh, because some things, you know, are, are important. Social justice is important. Helping homeless people is important. Uh, community sustainability, the environment, all these things are very important. But then also you need you need your businesses. You need your free enterprise. Because during the civil rights movement, A.G. Gaston was one of the people. He's a billionaire out of, or multimillionaire, sorry, out of, um, out of, uh, uh, the, out of Alabama, um, not Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Birmingham, I think, Birmingham, Alabama. And, uh, and A.G. Gaston used to write the checks. For Dr. King to, to march when Jesse Jackson and Dr. King couldn't make payroll, A.G. Ga A. Gaston was the one who gave them the money to do that. And one of the things that's important to understand is that if you don't have an economic base to your social justice movement, your social justice movement will fail. If you have no economic base to your social justice movement, that movement is not going to succeed. 
Why do I say that? Well, because it's I find it just hilarious that you'll have somebody who will spend the whole weekend protesting against capitalist greed. But then on Monday, because they've got to feed their kids, they have to go work for a capitalist on Monday morning. They have to put down their protest banner so they can go work for the very same people that they were protesting against the day before. And uh, and so really, if you look at the Black Panther movement, if the Black Panther movement had had some sort of economic base to it, it probably would have survived a lot longer than it did. Uh, I, I I think that, for example, instead of having a free lunch program, I, I would have told them, no, I think you should have a 25 cent lunch program or a lunch program that is free. If you if you ain't got it, then we're going to make sure you eat. But if you do got it, we're going to ask you to contribute to the economic base of what we're trying to do, because if we don't have any money, we cannot do the work. Do you understand? Your activists need money to do the work. If they're doing good work, why would you Because process this? You have people coming, bringing their kids to the free lunch program, getting free lunch from the Black Panthers. But then they would they have five dollars in their pocket. And they would go spend the five dollars at the liquor store. How much sense does that make? Wait, you tell, you're trying to tell me that that whatever they're doing in the liquor store is more important than what we're doing by feeding your child? No. 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 For, for any movement to work, you need an ecosystem. You need something where everybody's giving and everybody's receiving. You cannot have a bunch of givers and then a whole bunch of receivers and the receivers ain't giving nothing back to the givers because all that does is leads to a massive economic drain where at some point you run out of resources and then you got to go beg the white man to give you what you need. That's what you got to do. You got to go beg the corporations. You got to go beg the government. You got to go get money from people that don't have your best interest at heart. Next thing you know, your whole damn movement is co-opted. The thing that offended me the most with Dr. Claude Anderson, that's why I'm glad he's here today, is that Dr. Claude Anderson got so many phone calls from celebrities, Diddy included, who talked all day about how great Poweronomics was, and not one of these people wrote a check to help the Harvest Institute even grow, to help him continue the great work he's doing. This man has filed a reparations lawsuit on behalf of black people that's about 30 years old, and he funded it with his own money because Negroes have been trained to be helpless. They have been trained to not understand the basic idea that your freedom is going to have to be funded by you. There is no oppressor on the planet who has ever funded the liberation of the group of people that they were economically benefiting from exploiting in the first place. There ain't no, there ain't no world, what fantasy world do you live in where you think that Procter & Gamble, General Electric, the U.S. government, and all these corporations are going to write checks that are going to help you truly have economic independence or whatever independence that you're seeking. That is a fantasy world. That is what I refer to in my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. I refer to that as economic immaturity. Economic immaturity is where you think you can get all the benefits, but you ain't got to pay none of the cost. Where you think you can be in a house and, ha and make the rules of the house, but ain't paying the goddamn light bill. Excuse my French, I'm not going to cuss anymore, but this makes me angry. Seriously. There's no house you can live in where you, you're you not going to live in my house and make any rules if you're not paying no bills in this house. And that's what we tell the kids every day because they're economically immature.
They think, oh, well, this we, we should all have a vote. We should all have equal rights. No, you don't have equal rights because you don't pay equal bills. The mortgage is in my name. I pay the mortgage. Your mama pays the mortgage you, because we do chip in together. I don't know how people feel about that, but whatever we do. And and and, and we, we are the king and king queen of this space. If you want to make rules, then just go find a place where you're paying all the bills and you can make all the rules. In fact, if we come visit you, you can tell us what to do. This is how the world works, people. And I don't understand why we don't get that. We well, well, maybe part of it is because, as Dr. Anderson explains, and we, and we do Poweronomics training every Wednesday night. It's totally free. I hope you guys will consider coming. Just text the word greatness to 87948. Text greatness to 87948. I will send you all a link to join uh, the Wednesday night Poweronomics training because we got to learn this. You got to understand how this country works. If you want to succeed and figure this economic thing out, you got to understand how America works. People don't love you like you think they do. <laughs> There's a history to this. So text the word greatness to 87948. You can join us for free Wednesday nights at 830. We've been doing this religiously for the last four or five years now, every single Wednesday. All right. Text greatness to 87948. All right. So let's get back to this. Where was I? So freedom isn't free. So Dr. Anderson would get these calls from all these celebrities saying, oh, man, I love Poweronomics. It's so great. And, and But the problem is that they didn't understand that you're supposed to follow that up with some sort of support. You know, it, 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 to, to me, it was common sense. I, I was stunned when Dr. Anderson was, was has repeatedly told me that he said, you were the only person you he said, you and Ice Cube are the only ones who actually wrote a check to help us get do the job to, to complete the mission. And I said, I mean, but I, and I, and we did the, the black business school. I'm very proud of the fact that we, we probably over time did about a, at least a quarter million dollars worth of business with, with his, with his organization and, and supported and we bought books and everything and, and ice cube. Um, you know, I, I, I have, I give tremendous credit to him because I told him, I said, you know, I know you admire poweronomics and I appreciate that. But I think that we should do something more than just say that we appreciate it. You 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 speak through your actions. And because Ice Cube understands manhood, he he completely got it. I said, so how about this? How about I buy a thousand copies of Dr. Anderson's book? You buy a thousand copies. That way we're not trying to take your money as a celebrity. I'm not trying to exploit you. Every nickel you put up, I will match it dollar for dollar. And that's what we did. And and and, and it's 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 embarrassing. That that's the most anybody in the community has ever done because all the all the celebrities, a bunch of celebrities have reached out, Charlemagne the God, all these people, and I'm sitting there thinking, why why wouldn't we support something that we really believe in? And I think it's just because we're not trained to do that. We're trained to say, well, why would I pay for that myself when I can get white people to pay for it? But what you don't understand is that when you make these economic deals with the devil, the devil always collects his payment. The devil is always going to collect. He's always going to get his ROI. And the ROI is going to come out of your ASS. And, and so then what happens is you find out later on that the things that you needed, the things that you believe in are corrupted. I, I remember talking to uh, Al Sharpton a long time ago. And I used to go, Al Sharpton, I'm going to tell you, I don't I don't like all this politics. I ain't going to lie. But 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 he's he's a smart man. And uh, and I used to really enjoy his story. He tells the best stories because he knows everybody. And it's like the most amazing stories. And we're sitting there, we were talking, and I remember I said, I said, how much is your payroll at the National Action Network? And I remember his eyes, he just looked really exhausted when he said it. He said, $126,000 a month. And, and, and honestly, in that moment, 
I felt for him. Right. Again, you don't have to agree with his politics or not. I'm gonna tell you, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with Sharpton on a lot of things. But I thought about what he does when he's at his best and he's advocating for all these different families and doing this social justice work, right? And again, it's 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 politically weird, but whatever. It is what it is. And and I bet you that 99% of the families that ask for Al Sharpton's help don't even no one even thinks about how are you going to afford this. We need you to fly in. Who's going to buy the plane ticket? We need you to hold a press conference. Who's going to pay for the hotel? Who's going to pay for you know, all the expenses that are required to go get something done? Nobody thinks about that. But everybody's thinking, like, I need help. I need help. I need help. That's why I would never want to be Al Sharpton. I would never want to be in his shoes. I hung out with him for a while. It was really hard because once because we helped out some people. We did some social justice stuff for certain people. And then it became this thing where it was almost like like oh, like like people were looking for Jesus. Like people would just my email was flooded with everybody delivering every single social injustice that they that that they experienced from getting fired from their job to the police mistreating their loved one. And you want to help everybody, but you're like, I can't do all this. We need resources to get this done. You know, and so ultimately, if you look in other communities, one thing you will find is that in the Jewish community, there is an expectation particularly among those who are middle class and above to contribute to the entities and the institutions that they want to preserve and maintain. Like when you have a university, you contribute, everybody's contributed to the university. That's how they get their money. That's how they get their budget. Look at our HBCUs. Do we feel compelled to make sure that our HBCUs are financially liquid? No, we don't. We, we wait for the government to write a check, right? Why? Well, because we were trained to be dependent. We were trained to be weak. We were trained to be economic children. And the thing about growing up is that you understand that when you want to have these things like freedom and everything else, you are typically going to have to pay for that. At the very least, you're going to have to be able to pay your own bills. And, and this is extremely important. So if you want to know, and even in my own life, why I can, why I say and do whatever I want to do, whatever, I know that I'm kind of on a little bit of an island. I know that if 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 the heat got too hot, I know mainstream media is not going to save me. There's no job that's going to save me. There's no organizational entity out there that's going to save me. Uh, I have to make sure my resources are together so that I have the protections necessary to be able to be who I am and still eat every day. Do you understand? And this requires an understanding of things like financial planning, uh, economic self-defense, uh, your economics defends you. It defends uh, all the rights and freedoms that you claim to want to have. It, it defends your ability to say what you want. It defends your ability to live how you want. It defends your ability to sleep in in the mornings if that's what you want to do. It defends your ability to do what you want with your time. If you don't have that economic security in place, the world will scoop you up and make you into a slave. And this is why you we circle back. Let's circle back. Let's bring this back home so we can finish on a, on a clear point here. This is why that long-term financial planning for your children and grandchildren is so important because somebody's going to have to pay the bills for them to have any sort of freedom or liberation in this country. If no one pays the bills, then what's going to happen is your child will be trafficked as a, as a corporate slave. You're going to be trafficking your kid to corporate America, and they're going to get slapped around because they're going to be buried under debt. The worst situation to be in in America is somebody that's buried under student loan debt, maybe with bad credit, tons of credit card debt, who doesn't own any assets, who's completely dependent on 
racist corporate America to give them a place to live and help them to survive. That is a very vulnerable position to be in, but that is a trench that you can dig out of, but you got to get that airplane off the ground. You've got to, you know, you got to get rid of the, of the weight and the drag and you must focus on the lift and the thrust of your economic future and the economic trajectory of your children. If you do that, so what what is the what is the weight in the in the drag? The weight in the drag are things like excessive amounts of debt, bad habits, bad economic culture. Uh, other forms of drag might be uh, you know just um, the the job culture, job seeking culture, etc. What's the lift and the thrust? The lift and the thrust is starts with things like the five dollar a day investment plan, where you've you've gone to again blackwealthmasterplan.com. That's where you can take a look. Blackwealthmasterplan.com is totally free. The five dollar a day plan. So then they've got assets to work with. That's like putting fuel into the tank. That's like giving the your airplane an engine. But then also the airplane, in addition to having a good engine, it must have navigation. Navigation is where you do the knowledge training. Our children, B1 children, are not kids who are going to learn about economics when they're 30. They're not going to learn about economics when they're 20. They're, I want B1 children learning about economics when they're five, when they're seven, when they're nine. I want them going to elementary school and 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 literally shocking the other children with their understanding of the basics of economics, because what this is going to do is it's going to put their airplane on a, on a plateau that other kids cannot reach. They're going to be operating on a level that is so high that we can't even imagine. Imagine, and they're going to be the ones that are going to take this thing to outer space. Uh, they have that in them, but we have to set the table for them and we have to do it now. And you work now so you can prepare for the year 2034, 2054, and 2064. What is B1? B1 means black first. Black first means that we put our community at the top of our priority list. Black first means that I am black before I am anything else. Black first means that I love my community. I love my children. I love my seed and I want to see my people happy, healthy, and strong and free. That's all it means. If you agree with that, then you're one of us. Okay. And I'm sorry, I didn't explain it. I, I assume we all knew it, but it's okay to ask that question. I appreciate you asking that because I'm sure somebody else is thinking the same question. I keep forgetting that new people come in every day and I want to welcome everybody in here because I really believe that the solutions are there for us. We just have to go grab them and embrace them and internalize them. If we do this, then we cannot be stopped. That's my two cents. That's what I believe. I'm sticking to it. All right. So uh, speaking of Black First, you guys know we have the B1 National Convention every year. It's going to be in Chicago. It's going to be, uh, it, well, right outside Chicago in a town called Lombard, but it's a suburb of Chicago uh, right next to Naperville. If you've ever heard of Naperville, Naperville is rated one of the safest cities in America, one of the best cities to live. So this is a great area. It's a, a beautiful hotel. It's the Westin. We finally made the deal. The rooms are going to be about $150 a night. So we got them to drop the rate a lot for you. And also the convention, uh, you can get your passes really, really cheap right now. Uh, early bird It's going to be October 25th through the 27th. And at the convention, the goal is to uh, connect so you can connect with other like-minded people so that you don't feel like a weirdo because you're actually thinking about progressive ideas and positive ideas for your for your people. Uh, number two, uh, we're going to teach you. We have experts in every area from, we definitely have economics covered. Anything you want to learn about investing, stocks, whatever, economics entrepreneurship. We have a ton of experts we bring in for that. But then also we have people that focus on also areas like relationships, uh, health, physical and mental health, uh, how to build strong families. Uh, we had one uh, person last year, Dr. Mary Stoddard, who literally spoke. Uh, she, she was a born a sharecropper 
who she has 17 siblings and all 17 of their siblings graduated from college. And they had this cool model of how they all were able to afford to help each other get through college. And then when Mary got married, she married to a man named Dr. Marcus Stoddard, who's one of the best uh, heart surgeons in the country. And Mary has a law degree and a PhD. All five of her children are doctors. All five of her kids are MDs, PhDs, whatever. And, and I said, Mary, people, the whole country needs to know who you are. Right. Because more people know about Cardi B than we'll ever know about Mary Stoddard. But Mary Stoddard's model, that's a model of black success. The Cardi B model is, I mean, that's if you want to be a stripper or something and, you know, maybe get assaulted. Like, I mean, whatever, like really, I mean, if you know what, I'm not I'm not putting those people down. I'm just saying that this is the healthy stuff our people need. This is what's going to help us succeed. This is going to help us be happy. Right. So the ABNC is fun. Thank you, Christina. Christina says I attended last year and it was awesome. Yeah, the ABNC is is one of the best experiences you'll ever have. Uh, you're going to love it. And so if you want to learn more, just go to allblacknationalconvention.com. That's allblacknationalconvention.com. Another thing you can do if you want to keep up, get updates on the ABNC, text the word ABNC, ABNC, Alpha, Alpha, Beta, Nancy, um, carrot, right? A, B, and C, text A, B, and C to 87948. If you text A, B, and C to 87948, I'll send you links and connections and discounts and stuff like that. But also, if you want to see just the general layout, you can go to allblacknationalconvention.com. And we just, uh, we're, we're about to sign the deal uh, with the um, hotel. And, uh, and as far as the Los Angeles thing, I see some of you are asking about that. We are coming to LA. Uh, things take money and take time, but sometimes, but, but I promise you, we're going to make that happen. I'll keep you guys posted on that, but I've given you a lot of stuff to think about today. I hope this has been official and I look forward to seeing you all tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Uh, if you want to get the discount to just become a member and get access to the recordings and all that stuff, we're going to do this every day forever. Now I just, this is a commitment I want to make. Uh, so just uh, text the word morning to eight, seven, nine, four, eight, then I'll send you a link where you can join at 76% off. All right. So have a good day, everybody. God bless you. Uh, I hope you uh, enjoyed this conversation. I know that I did. I always enjoy talking to you. So I'll see you guys soon. Take care now. Bye-bye.